0: Presence of your enemies, and I, I don't fully understand what it means. But I was just—I always get excited whenever he says something. So, uh, and of course, it comes from Psalm 23, doesn't it? And the Lord's my shepherd; I shall not want. And He kind of leads me into green pastures, and He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And I think we'll—we'll we'll talk about it a little bit um, in in what I've got to say tonight. Uh, but I, I just. We felt it would be good just to put some stuff out and to begin it, have some good stuff, some grapes, some cheese, and a bit of bread, and some of those matzo things. And, uh, it's, and wine, real wine, and grape juice. There is a choice for those that get a bit unnecessary. They can stay on this side, and the ones that like a bit of the real stuff can come on this side. Right. <laughs> How did you know I was talking about Av there? <laughs> yeah, it was called So Av. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We thought of Av as we drank it. Okay. Right. That was the first thing. The Lord said a couple of things to me this over this week. And... Um, I thought it would just be good to to pass them on and to just explore them a bit. So forgive me if I'm not kind of very well thought out on this, uh, but it's good to just pass on what I'm getting uh, and as I'm going on the journey with it. Um, But last, not a a week ago Saturday, so uh, John Stewart came in on Sunday morning, didn't he, and uh, and prayed, um, got up in the dedication the way Ezra was being prayed for, and uh, he said he'd had a dream that Saturday night. Well, I had a dream that Saturday night as well, and I didn't say anything about it at the time because I hadn't really kind of worked out what was going on, but I thought it would be good just to sort of mention it uh, for now, and um, it it was quite an interesting one, and I feel it is from God. It's like I have certain dreams, you know, some are God dreams and some are pizza dreams and some are just dreams, you know, just kind of anxieties running through your mind, which play out overnight. And uh, But I really feel this was a God dream, because it had some interesting sort of symbols in it, and it, it was in sort of sections which quickly moved from one to the other. So it didn't really kind of flow, as it were. It was just, it, it was definite little sound bites. So it started off with me being in a room, uh, and I feel it was like a lounge somewhere with about five... Uh, people, one of whom was probably maybe in their 70s, and the rest were um, kind of various ages, I think. And we were sitting, talking away, and there was a sense of well-being. We were all kind of chatting away. And then in comes this person and walked down this little flight of stairs, and we thought, I thought, oh, there's someone else coming to join us. And they walked down and cuffed the old guy around the head and i thought that's not very nice and and he started abusing the people that were there and i had the feeling that that now you know that this person was actually kind of a thug like clearly he was coming in and he was kind of punching stuff up a bit and, and a very unnatural reaction for me because i do confess i am a little bit of a coward at times especially where confrontation <laughs> Uh, comes about, but I got up straight away and grabbed this person by the wrists. I just uh like seized him as it were, and I was uh, fully expecting to get kind of landed one and uh, but I thought i 've got to do something i can 't just stand by while this old guy gets kind of bashed about the head and stuff so I grabbed him, but instead of getting hit, he just pacified he just went all quiet and calmed down and didn 't try anything else and I kind of led him out of this room and into the and began to talk to him. It was a sort of on the side of the house. And, uh, and then that was that scene over with. Okay? Then it flipped and I was outside the house and um, it was very cold and snowy. It was a little bit like Alaska. I think that was what kind of brought it to me. It was all iced up roads and stuff. And I knew I was on the way to church to speak And the background of it was I was on the way to church to speak, and I didn't know what I was supposed to be saying. Now, this is a bit of a recurring dream (laughs) for me. It's kind of one of those unprepared things, you know. Um, But having had this little confrontation, suddenly something clicked in me, and I thought, you've got to overcome your fears. That is the key to what it's about. This is this key bit of revelation. So I was taking this, and I was going along to church, and I was going to begin to explore it. And uh, as I was in the car, turning it around, I looked up and saw uh, this snowplough go across the road, and it knocked someone over and just disappeared from sight. And uh, there was like some kind of accident up there. And, and then again, the, s- the scene shifts, and I'm standing with this guy who'd come in to do the, the abusing, and the police had arrived, and they had taken him away and accused him of this, this crime of knocking this person over. And he was gone. And I was quite shocked by it because, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. I thought, I, th- th- are they sure that it was him who did it? You know, I was kind of then beginning to sort of defend him a bit. But he was gone, just gone and uh, removed from the scene. And then the scene shifts again. And I'm in here. This is where it gets interesting. <laughs> because I was standing right in this very place with... A pulpit like this, except it was wooden. I got a feeling there might have been one like it in the chapel, kind of a wooden thing with a cross at the bottom or something, and it was kind of a bit, a little bit wobbly. But anyway, I was standing with it like this, and Wayne—I've spoken to him; it's okay to mention him. He was sitting just over here, and uh, I was just standing looking at him, and he was smiling. I mean, it's not unusual to see Wayne smile; just kind of—he's always like that, isn't he? But he was smiling, and then he began to laugh, and clearly. The joy of the Lord was coming on him and he began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and he signaled to me to say this is it it's it's happening it's happening it's kind of this is what we've been waiting for is what he was communicating to me and you know we've been praying together for years and years for the kingdom to come and to see stuff really begin to happen and anyway as he did that and signaled to me I felt the presence of God come on me and I was, like, holding on to this thing like this. And I couldn't move. I couldn't take my hands off it. But I felt myself going like this <laughs> over to the side. And I couldn't move my feet. And as I did, I just kind of went over like a, like a tree that had been kind of felled, if you like, in slow motion. It wasn't – I didn't hurt myself. It was just I went, <laughs> And the interesting thing is I hit the ground – i was covered in gold from top to bottom this is a really good dream i loved the dream it was like really fun and kind of everyone came over i said oh look, no, it's gold it's all gold all over him and all of that stuff so that's the dream i feel i think you agree you'll agree with me i think it's a god dream that that you know god is speaking uh, to us but the question is what what on earth is he saying and um well, for me, the course. Let, let me give my interpretation as I as I understand it. The uh, you know we're, we're on a journey. We're on a journey of seeing the kingdom coming and seeing the presence of God released as a river amongst us, and to see the sick healed, the dead raised, the lepers cleansed, the demons cast out. This is all the stuff that that we're kind of really looking forward and moving forward towards. And we are on this journey, and. We believe God has spoken in a number of different areas about this, that things are going to happen, that it is appointed, it is appointed to us to do certain things and there are going to be some convergence of things happening and sooner or later we're going to get the big breakthrough. However, in the meantime on this journey, I think we've been coming through a season where we've been suffering a bit of abuse, where... Someone, the enemy, has come in and started to torment uh, some of us, uh, some amongst us. And uh, there's a little bit of an attack that's been going on. However, in the dream, it didn't take much. I just stood up and grabbed this person by the wrists, and it just kind of pacified. It stopped. And then the very next scene was he was removed off the scene entirely entirely. Okay. Now, this person was clearly the enemy, right? He was clearly a bad guy. That was the sense that I had in my dream. So I don't want you kind of looking around saying, "Who is it that going got to be removed out?" <laughs> you know, who are we getting rid of and stuff? This this was not what that was about. This was the enemy who'd been coming in and causing some mischief and some trouble. He was removed entirely away from the scene, and then we were free to get on and to really see the outbreak coming that uh, that we had looked for so i I take it i woke up feeling encouraged i felt like the lord saying yes you're on track okay going through some difficult stuff tim and deb's and various different situations around us where we've had some little bits of attack and stuff but what we're doing is we're coming through to a place where the kingdom is going to break out amongst us and we are going to see some really good signs of his presence i think that the the symbols of the two things that we saw the joy being released and the gold dust are very significant and it wasn't just kind of like a little speck i was very excited to see moses got some gold on his hands when he was preaching the other week uh that was very exciting but kind of little bits kind of here and there and stuff he got a lot more when he was at camford um but this was covered. This was just like everywhere. And it was, you'd have to hoover it up afterwards and stuff. And so I think it speaks of like, it really does speak of the glory of God beginning to be uh, shown and physically visible upon us. And I think those two things, the joy and the physical uh, visibility of the power of God are the things that are going to be released amongst us. And it won't ju- it won't just be gold dust. So I, I think that's kind of, you know we'd be happy with that that'd be good but i think it represents physical things that you can see with your own eyes okay so that's that's my interpretation of it Um, and i know one or two have been a little bit worried about some of these things and some of the signs but the sense that i got was when it came it was clear to all that it was god and there was this joy released it was a, like a relief in a way. Oh, this is good. This is okay. And this wonderful joy was released in, with, amongst us and these physical signs came out and no one was concerned in any way. Now, so what I thought I would explore a little bit tonight, having recounted this dream, was what I felt the Lord was telling me to explore in my dream which was overcoming fear. Okay? Now, at the time when I had that dream and I woke up in the morning, it, in the dream, I thought, this is it. This is the key to everything. You know, this is what has to be said. And it was really real. And I woke up in the morning and thought, what on earth was that about? That doesn't mean anything to me, you know, because I don't feel like I'm a fearful person or anything. And, um, but the, as I've waited on it a little bit, I think the Lord's just been saying one or two things that we need to just examine ourselves with, um, use them as a tool, if you like. And, uh, and I think fear is something which holds us back in a number of different ways and stops us from really grabbing hold of the things of God. And, and it will all will become obvious in searching through scriptures it is uncanny how many times god and angels say do not be afraid yeah. honestly just searching for don't be afraid comes up with like 200 times to distinct individuals where he is saying do n- don't be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid and then usually they're kind of stepping into something they've got to be very afraid of and uh, but he's saying don't be afraid And there are a number of occasions. And, of course, you know, one of the classic ones was Joshua. Um, If you read the the end part of um, Deuteronomy and the beginning part of Joshua, uh, where um, God comes and speaks to Joshua and says, be strong and very courageous, don't be afraid. Be strong and very courageous, don't be afraid. Be strong and very courageous, don't be afraid. You know, again and again and again and again. And it was something that was sown into the beginning of his life as he stepped over to take the promised land. It's something he had to have. Now, you know, I realize that, as I say, we, there are a number of difficult situations that are going on that I know of in the church. Uh, personal circumstances that are just hard, hard work, you know. And it is interesting, even though I'd say I'm not a fearful person, I think anxiety has a place to play. Now, where does anxiety come from? What is anxiety? Fear. It is fear. It is fear of circumstances. It's fear of not being in control, dare I say, uh, of our circumstances. Because whenever we get into that situation financially or in our health, if we're not in control where we were in control, there is the temptation for anxiety begin to play on us. And for me, it may, you know, I can go through it systematically in my mind and say, God's my father, he loves me, he's got a plan for me, he has prophesied this over me, and yet I can still stay up for four hours in the middle of the night just working something through in my mind because I'm anxious. Okay, so there is a place where you can have it all theoretically worked out, but fear still God. Okay, what match is on tonight? <laughs> who's, who's just scored? <laughs> That's normally what it is when a Thomas phone goes off or a text message comes in. Um, so yeah, so fear does have a place uh, in our lives and sometimes a little bit of a foothold. And, you know, wherever we get bad news or... Um, something comes in there is a temptation to allow anxiety and fear to begin to take root and uh, so God when he speaks in when someone's about to launch off and do something um, really really cool or uh, you know take a bit of land he often begins it off with do not be afraid be strong and very courageous you know courage is is the opposite isn't it of fear it's, it's sort of like it's something that you where your heart is encouraged when you have courage you can face something head on and you you just say right i can do this let's go and uh that's god speaking in courage and he's saying don't be afraid so i just think you know we 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 need to allow this word to minister to our hearts is god put in the spotlight? on any areas of anxiety or fear or control or any of these things where we're seeking to kind of try and keep things safe, if you like, because I've got a feeling when he comes, it's going to get a little bit wild and a little bit fun and a little bit kind of unpredictable. And maybe he needs to kind of make sure that there isn't that stronghold in our life, that through fear we seek to control things, because if there's one thing that God can't be, it's controlled, okay? So, Mary, of course, was another one, when the angel came, don't be afraid, you know, obviously, she had a big thing in front of her, when the angels came and spoke to the shepherds on the hills, fear not, you know, for I bring glad tidings of great joy, and all of that stuff, it's, it's fear not it's fear not it's fear not it's fear not all the way through we're gonna we are going to pray for each other tonight and we're going and around the table and we're going to take communion and we're going to really bless and uh, pray for one another i think to for the lord to really just shine his light in our hearts and if there are any areas that where fear has kind of taken a little bit of root or anxiety then we're just going to ask him to to take that away and uh, we'll we'll see how the solution works so why is it so important i mean some fear is good isn't it i mean like fear of fire you know putting your hand in the fire and stuff is quite good because it stops you getting burnt there's a certain natural reactions um like uh, we were out at the weekend with Stubsy and he was getting us to lean over backwards over the edge of a cliff. Now, it's not something that your body naturally wants to do. <laughs> Even though I had ropes on and he was saying, that, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I had just watched someone go upside down. <laughs> no one was hurt much. And we did keep saying, the, we were saying, we will now recite the Lighthouse Mantra. This activity is not part of the Lighthouse Church. <laughs> so, yes, on a number of occasions. But it was great fun. But, you know, one of the keys to being able to get the best out of it was to overcome fear. Because if you were fearful, what you tried to do was to hold on tight, a bit like I did, with both hands, and rather than just relaxing and trusting the equipment, to do what Mark said it was going to do and to really lean out and enjoy it and to really enjoy the sensation as Phil did, like a pro bouncing down the cliff. Dear Lord, I was shamed. I was shamed that I'd made such a fuss. <laughs> but, um, so fear can inhibit us from enjoying God and enjoying things of the kingdom. And enjoying anything, really. And we we need to sort of overcome and put things in their proper sort of perspective, if you like. One of the reasons, specifically in the kingdom, is that fear is the opposite of faith. If you think about it, I mean, I've probably said this before, so forgive me for those who've heard it, but fear and faith are very, very similar. They're almost identical They are a very strong belief or conviction that something is going to happen. Fear and faith. The thing is, we find the fear much easier. You know, if I begin to fear, I think I'm going down with a cold. You believe it, and it begins to happen. You know, or you think, you know, there, there are certain things which, where we operate in faith, and we begin to declare things and speak them out loud, we have a creative power and we bring them upon us. I was interested to be reading the story of Job the other day because Mike spoke on that a few weeks ago and uh, talked about all the difficulties he was going through. But there's one very interesting sentence in Job 3.25. And what he said was, What I most feared has come upon me. You know, Job had everything. He had all of his kind of ducks in a line, didn't he? He was all kind of right there, and he'd been offering sacrifices just in case any of his kids had sinned, and he had everything just right. And yet, there was a root of fear in there as well, he said, what I most feared has come upon me. Um, But particularly when we're operating in anything, that requires faith fear can stop us from moving forward can't it and uh, a classic story of that is peter in the boat walking on the water Hmm. i need something can someone put the light with the dot on it's in the middle i can see little text but the light has to be a bit Writer, that's better. Um, yeah, it's in Matthew eight isn't it? Uh, oh, no, it was in Matthew fourteen twenty seven. 27. Um, Jesus spoke to them and said, Don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. There you go, there's another one. Don't be afraid, I am here. And Peter called him, Lord. If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter, taking his courage in both hands, hooks his feet over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Kind of a root of fear began to set in. Now Jesus had spoken to him, giving him the word saying Peter come to me you can do it here am I standing on the water I am not sinking you come to me and when he heard that that little rhema word and it took root in his heart heart, he could do it and he started walking on the water but as soon as he took note of the waves the water the wind he began to sink faith and fear so even then there was a battle going on within him which one was going to win now the faith or, or the fear and, uh, of course, he begins to see, sink and he says, save me, Lord, he shouts. And immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. And, and Jesus encourages him by saying, you have so little faith. Why do you doubt me? And there's another time, isn't there, Matthew 8, 28, 6, which is one we've spoken of before, where the disciples are going across in the boat and the storm whips up and Jesus is having asleep in the bottom and uh, they're saying, Master, Master, wake up. We're all going to drown. And again, he says, Why were you afraid? You have so little faith. How often those two words go together. Fear, faith. Why were you afraid? You have so little faith. If they had faith, fear wouldn't have taken root. And he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. My experience with fear is that actually what it does it causes paralysis it causes you to stop uh, it, and it can be all sorts of reasons you know like say like with these guys going out to Holland you know you'll, you'll be out there you'll be faced with people and they'll kind of be really keen to talk to you all and um, come and try their English out and they'll all be absolutely brilliant at it I'm sure and stuff like that and there will be there will come a time When each of you has a little nudge inside to say, I should say this to him. Now, there's things that can go through your mind at that time, can't you? And you can talk yourself out of it. You can say, oh, that was just me. I'm not going to do that. Or if I get it wrong, I might look silly. Or if it doesn't work, I'll be put off for life. Or There's lots of little things. And they're all rooted in fear, actually fear of man fear of getting it wrong fear of looking a fool fear of whatever whereas if you go with faith and say i believe god said that i'm going to give it a go and like i was praying tonight i may never see these people again what have i got to lose nothing give it a go give it a go you may just lead someone to god you may just lead them into a place of a miracle which they need like Av did on the, on the plane, just kind of just going for it. And you led one person to the Lord and, and prayed for another one to be healed. And it was, it's amazing. Those opportunities are there, but fear can cause us to stall and do nothing and kind of, in a way, miss the opportunity. And the grace of God is always there and he loves us regardless of whether we do well or we do badly. Okay, so don't kind of feel discouraged. What I'm trying to do is encourage you to operate in faith and to not listen to the voice of fear in it, to take a risk as Heather was praying. So, um, I think the big one for us is we fear what we can't control. And, uh, you know, uh, again, you've only got to look at the accounts of the Acts you know the day of pentecost when the holy spirit was poured out and you know that you've read the, read the story it, the people said have these men been drinking you know there was confusion there was division there was all the classic signs of a revival popping out in in a place that all of these different things that even now when something exciting starts happening in some place the same things come the some are mocking Some are kind of throwing, you know, jibes at them, saying, oh, these people are drunk, you know, and uh, all of this sort of stuff. And when God breaks out and we're not in control, our temptation is to try and control things because fear creeps in. And And it's not just in revival situations. It can be anything. God may give you a word to step out on something in in, say in business or something for myself and you know you begin to do it but then when you look at it and you see all the reasons why perhaps you shouldn't it can stall you and you can miss an opportunity a god opportunity so fear needs to be overcome because as this thing starts kicking off we just need to be ready and when he gives us that little nudge to say go and talk to that person go and pray for that person go and lay hands on that on that person with the cast in the supermarket you know, and heal their leg. We just need to go for it and give it a go. Give it a go. In Exodus 20, the people of Israel um, got a bit frightened. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, when they saw flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. There's two types of fear there. One is fear from approaching, but then there's another fear, which is reverence of God, which will stop you from sinning. You know, his, his desire was that we come close to him and get involved with him and we develop a reverence for him that keeps uh, keeps our lives pure the more of him we get. But they were f- they were frightened and they refused to approach him. And so they missed what was good for them. I think, you know, as things maybe s- start to happen, say, for example, I did keel over on the floor and gold dust appeared on me. I wonder whether there would anyone be- begin to think, oh, is this of God is this really, you know, um, God moving or is, or is this perhaps the great deception or something? And I think the fear of deception, again, can stop us from moving forward and embracing some of the good things that God has got for us. And I think it's, an un- it's not a well-placed fear because when you understand the goodness of God and that when you come to him and ask for something, he is not going to give you something bad or he's not going to give you... When you come with an open heart, this is, the, this is the litmus test that I have placed all the way along through this whole journey of things happening with the Holy Spirit. I go there, I feel it, I sense it with my own heart and I come and say, Lord, if this is of you, then show me. And I, I want some of what's going on. And he does. And it's good and we have this confidence because it says in Luke 11:9 and so i tell you keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find it keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened you fathers if your children ask for bread do you give them a stone or if they ask you for fish Do you give them a snake? (gasps) We saw an adder today. A real adder when we were out on our bike ride. It was very exciting. Do you give them a snake instead? Or, if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You know, that is what our Father is like. When we come to him and ask, he gives us good gifts. He doesn't give us bad things. He gives us good things. And so we can have a confidence to come. And I think sometimes people are more worried about kind of getting deceived than they are about kind of missing something good that God has got for them. So what is the antidote to fear? And this is where we finish. And it's a very short antidote. Because I think the antidote to fear is in 1 John four eighteen, where it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And, you know, we've been learning a lot over the last few years about the love of the Father, and uh, that that same love that when you go to him and ask for the Holy Spirit, he doesn't give you something bad; he gives you something good. And I believe that that love, as it gets poured into our hearts, will remove all fear. It is the only antidote, actually, because you can do all the things like mental gymnastics of going through and convincing yourself that it'll all be all right and everything but actually you'll always come up the equations always kind of add another variable onto the end or something and so you're always left with a question in your mind but when you come into the presence of god and when you're immersed in his love and when he fills you up with his holy spirit suddenly there is no place for fear and so that's what i want us to pray for one another tonight as we celebrate communion and share bread and wine and little bit of cheese later on, if that's what you would like, and grapes and stuff. Um, I want us to pray for one another to be filled with the love of the Father and for all fear to be cast out and neutralized. Sound good? Let's do it then. Heather, do you want to... Good. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to prepare our hearts to come and receive what.